1: cult
0: and classic welcome friends and fiends to a brand spanking new episode of cult and classic podcast i'm your host as always film critic and comedian nate wyckoff with me here today i have manny canary how are you doing manny i'm
1: good thank you nate thanks for
0: and of course as i said last week when manny was also here you can catch manny with darcy drawlinger in her film uh, Shit and Champagne, now playing on Hulu, Amazon Prime, all sorts of great stuff. Check it out. It is really good. Thank and you. then we also have longtime contributor. You're welcome. Mandy mm-hmm. Longley. How are you doing, Mandy?
2: I'm doing just fine. Thank you, Nate.
0: So this is uh, part two of our Music Kills pairing. Last week, we talked about 2008's Repo, the Genetic Opera. And we have lots to say about it. But overall, gave red recommendations for this sort of unusual genre mashup film. Uh, It was a horror sort of trash punk futuristic musical and uh, starring Anthony Stewart Head and Sarah Brightman, a fan of the opera fame and um, uh, so many people, Paris Hilton, of course. So check that out. Uh, And today we have uh, another bloody musical. Uh, This one is a comedy horror musical of a kind. But here's the thing I want to say that really struck me. This is called Cannibal the Musical, uh, made by Trey Parker of South Park fame, uh, also with Matt Stone of South Park fame. And uh, the thing I wanna say is that Repo, the genetic opera, technically is Repo, exclamation point, the genetic opera. And this film is Cannibal, exclamation point, the musical. Coincidence? Totally, but I really uh, appreciated that little uh, unlikelihood. So this film, is from 1993. Lots of release stores and sites will tell you it's from 1996. That is because it is when uh, Troma Distribution uh, picked it up and released it. Um, they still, I believe, have the releasing rights. In fact, you can still order it from them. Do not believe the scalp, the the resell scalpers who are trying to sell the two disc uh, director's cut with special commentary edition of this DVD for big bucks. Uh, it's totally worth it but you can still pick it up from trauma, guys. You can also get the digital download of this movie. They, it's like 9.99, but they often have it on sale for like a buck 99. So this is totally worth it uh, if you're even remotely curious. But we'll get into the actual movie here. Now, Cannibal the Musical is based on a true story of a man named Alfred Packer, who in Colorado was, came out, stumbled out of the woods uh, and told his story of uh, having to eat some flesh of humans, his fellow uh, sort of trailblazing miners who were trying to find the next big mine score in Colorado and, uh, and said basically that, I only killed one man who attacked me. He killed the other people, but I had to eat some human flesh to survive. Uh, they did not believe him and they tried him and he was found guilty. And then uh, just as an interesting, this isn't actually in the film, but it's part of an interesting thing. He then broke out of jail and lived for eight years in another location under a different name was actually found uh and then basically tried again served a little time i think uh and then spent the rest of his life trying to sort of clear his name by being normal and so some some people you'll talk to he's almost sort of a folk hero because he was sort of uh un- people think well he was unfairly prosecuted uh whereas others are like uh, actually, he probably was a murderer who ate people uh, because that was what he wanted to do at the time because they were starving. So not exactly alive, but, uh, you know, somewhere in the ballpark. This film, surprisingly, uh, minus some some gags, essentially, follows the story pretty closely. Uh, and it's, it's, it's sort of a testament to the love that Trey Parker and Matt Stone have for their home state of Colorado. Uh, it's, of course, where South Park is based and all that. Uh, and they, they've they given lots of money back by buying certain things. They actually just recently bought uh, the Mexican restaurant that is featured heavily in, in some seasons of South Park uh, to restore it to its former glory. It's just, you know, the kind of thing, they clearly love where they're at. And this was an attempt to tell a story that's well-known to uh, Coloradians. Is that how they refer to themselves? Why didn't it tell us? Uh, and they they really kind of get it right, but it's also ridiculous and funny and also has some gore moments but I I laughed I laughed during this I hadn't seen it before it had been on my list for an eternity I bought it several times and lost it over many moves never watched I finally watched it and I was pleased I did it is a low budget feature it's not to say it's not well directed but it has that grainy rough sometimes the audio is better than others some people speak a little too quiet and then get loud the kind of thing that happens when you're mastering the audio yourself versus when you can afford to pay other people to do it for you um but it's a fairly good even in a dvd uh transfer it's a fairly good transfer and for a 1993 movie i thought it looked you know serviceable it's not something you put in and all of your friends would go oh this like it's not a backyard movie. Uh, and I certainly love those, so I would have given it a chance. But it is an independent feature. There was no way this was going to get international uh, wide release or even national wide release. But that shouldn't stop us from talking about it here, uh, since we are cult and classic podcast. Now, plot: I already told you, guy goes uh, to Colorado with a group of people. He's supposed to be leading them. He doesn't know the land exceptionally well. Uh, They run afoul of some trappers. Um, Then he loses his horse, which is his best friend, finds out that said horse actually is just a horse who's willing to let other people ride it, and the trappers have taken it. So he gets all angry. Then they go starve in the wilderness, and uh, somebody kills the group, and Alfred is the only survivor. So whatever really happened is questionable. Uh, He was actually... They tried to get him humorously after death pardoned, isn't that that's the right word, right? Am I making that up? Post- no, no, post- that's nice. uh, posthumously. Posthumously, pos- it is. It is getting late. It is getting late for my brain, guys, as we record this. So I'm getting a little loopy. Shut up. Posthumously, but yes, they it's tried to get him. It's basically
2: tomorrow for my brain. So. Oh, that's, that's right.
0: Like- that's right, our, our East Coasters are are, are suffering. So mm-hmm. anyway, they tried to get him off the hook, at least posthumously, and it did not work. They still, he is still in the books as a, a registered murderer cannibal. But, you know, he seemed to have an okay life for someone who was convicted of murder and cannibalism <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. You know, he he did make it out. And this, he actually has a fun little romance with him. It's kind of cute. Now, Trey Parker plays this character. He uses a pseudonym. In fact, he uses the pseudonym that the real uh man used when he ran away and started a life for eight years that was kind of fun so there's lots of these little easter eggs i also want to say if you're a fan of south park and you're like but i don't know if i'd be interested in this thing that isn't south park by trey parker matt stone i kind of feel like it's still very heavily their brand of humor um and there's lots of things i mean you may not notice like uh he put aliens in the background in half a dozen scenes um that are actually kind of hard (laughs) to spot um and uh, he has, uh, has little things like at one point, um, we'll talk about the Native American tribe portrayal yeah. of this, which is <laughs> wild. Uh, but at one point, um, one of the characters who is, they call a, a basically a big liar duty head, is saying he's translating for this Indian tribe and he makes these hand motions. And apparently he's actually signing, Jesus Christ is dead as he's delivering. <laughs> the, these these other lines there's just all sorts of wild stuff um yeah and it's a musical it really is a musical the musical numbers are sort of uh like community college i would say level like they're 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 it's it's not that they're not entertaining but they're not like highly produced it's like a bunch of friends having fun like a tiktok challenge uh gone gone off the rails to a full feature uh, so I, I liked it but let's go Mandy you are the only one on this panel who had fully seen this movie before what yeah. was your like what are your feelings on the film how do you feel after watching it this time
2: oh I felt good I'm really glad that you picked this um and I actually watched it on a day that I was having a pretty bad day and it just totally boosted my spirits and it just was like yeah this is this is goofy hijinks ridiculousness Straight out of the brains of um, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, um, like very reminiscent of like basketball. If yeah. anyone has seen that, which is also by them at a much later time, um, it I think it even has some of the same actors in it. I think they, mm-hmm. they recognize. So yeah, so it was. I was just like, man, like this is good. This is what I remember. I didn't remember any of the songs except the opening one, but I sing that song to myself all the time still. <laughs> Yeah, like, what is the
0: word that he made up for it? Um, dead- spadoinkle?
2: Sh- yeah. <laughs> spadoinkle day. Yes. Yes, like,
0: spadoinkle. Yeah. I was saying it to myself the whole day.
2: And they after. use it through the whole film, like it's in the first song, but then they use it through the whole film, mm-hmm. like it's like a normal, like, curse word, oh, yeah. or like, you know, it, it's- Or like yeah.
0: a, a call to greatness, or like, what a yeah. great day, you know, what a
2: sh-spadoinkle yeah. day. day. It's, uh, it's just like yeah. all- all, all company and- Yeah, you can use it for anything kind of word. But yeah, so like I I was like, oh, I I forgot like all of these other songs existed. I forgot all about the Indian tribe. I forgot about the trackers and his like ridiculous obsession with his horse, like everything. But I remember that song. Like <laughs> it stayed with me this whole time. It was it was like visiting an old friend, but also just in general, like their silly antics. Um we're refreshing the way you know like i feel like it was like the way that like early south park was where it got kind of dark and weird it, yeah think, more very much so political um just really be and light uh yeah i was very happy that we chose this one
0: it's funny you said spadoical which of course we're talk about now i'm going to give a lot of facts and like cocktail you know, stories, things like that about this movie, but I urge you to take all of them with a grain of salt because like everything that Trey Parker and Matt Stone have done, there's this, there becomes this sort of um, mythology around it uh, and it gains like a legend status and that doesn't necessarily mean it's true and uh, a lot of these things are spread by Trey Parker and Matt Stone themselves. That does not mean they're necessarily true. Uh, But supposedly Spadoinkle was... Uh, what he wrote in when he didn't have a lyric for that part, he was working at it, and so um, and and when he was when his friends were hearing it, they were like, "No, you have to keep that. Like that's just part of it. You have to do that." So he worked it into the whole thing.
2: Um, that's great, Manny, oh, you're like me. You there had, was one. Oh. There was one other thing that I remembered from this film. And I would be remiss not to mention it. Is the joke about Wyoming, which lasts for literally half a second, but I think it also like maybe references that like time where the person ran away and lived under another alias and then like kind of came mm. back is there like he's like oh where did you go he's like i went to wyoming and they're like well, why'd you come back and he's like have you ever been to wyoming and I just like <laughs> a shot of him in like this desolate landscape and he's just like hello <laughs> and, like, that's it. and i also that was like burned into my brain like
0: from the there time. there are actually I, I found a lot of sort of joke jokes that are also like good-hearted like sort of borderline dad jokes but original jokes in this mm-hmm. and lots of looks like comedic looks that actually came through pretty well for what was yep. a college project Trey parker made this mm-hmm. while in college this is amazing is, as, for a college i mean
2: project, it really like is guess... amazing
0: anytime you get a college project it's that it comes out as a functional I can't have feature have them doing wild.
2: something of that they caliber had a lot of people in it, like, people in it. yeah
0: um so <laughs> before we get into some anyway. of the things that i'm excited to talk about Let's get some Manny. Manny, you hadn't seen this either. Uh, what were you expecting, and what did you get from *Cannibal* the musical?
1: Uh, you know what's interesting because um, you guys mentioned it does have some of the the South Park uh, qualities, right? But it's interesting because I was I, when it first started, I was almost expecting it to be like the really crazy South Park humor, yeah. which I love, um, and I, I, it wasn't that really to that extreme. It's so
0: almost. I, pure hearted in a weird way no
1: and that's what it is it's really charming right like it's yeah. it's that doesn't mean it's not fun enough color and a little dark and a little weird but um once i caught on that i was like oh you know this is a different this is not quite that mm-hmm. um because i also love south park bigger longer uncut <laughs> yes. um I, it's like one of the great musicals ever really and uh, when i noticed it's its own entity which is also really awesome because you then this proves and they've proven this with other films like basketball so that they're not just a one note everything's mm-hmm. that kind of humor per se um so I love that about it and it did it was charming and and oddly, maybe because of the way it was made and a bunch of friends and there's this very there's a sweetness over the, the mm-hmm. proceedings that's just really a, a fun movie I, I I liked it very much I, I, again it, we talked on the previous episode about the audacity of the musical with the goth thing when we talked about repo but This to me is like the audacity of having a, you know, microscopic budget and making a musical on top of it where things have to match. You know, you can tell there's ADR. That's not great, but damn, like for the budget that they had to take on a musical. And then that last number has this amazing top-notch well-done choreography with a big group Mm -hmm. of dancers
0: and With a big ensemble. yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's done so well. It's like, it's, it's that thing where it's like the film quality is really what's, you know the grainy sort of film right. quality is really the main giveaway that it's a low-budget movie. If you were to just base it on the visuals and how they the how the film is directed and and how you know the cameras being, you you would know that you would know that it was that much of a cheap film, and maybe some of the you know synthesizer music and things like that. But um, yeah, it was a delight. I really enjoyed
2: it. Yeah, it, it was interesting as well. I feel like this is another one of the films we talk about this a lot is like, you could tell everyone doing this film was having the best time.
1: Absolutely.
2: Right? And like yes. that, I think it, it kind of goes, that's like how, what makes it feel so like sweet, like the sweetness to it, the, like I don't wanna say innocence, but like, yeah. you know, it, it's like, you can tell everyone's just having a really, really good time doing this film. And that makes it a lot more enjoyable to watch as well.
1: Yeah, it's infectious. Yeah, it really, it really does. You can really feel it. Mm-hmm having a good time because there's no the budget doesn't afford you to hide any of
0: that <laughs> for sure and they, they really do have i mean they open with a um a, a fantasized version from the um uh the, the accuser's attorney uh, as as alfred is is being charged uh in in court and they actually did use material directly from the court transcripts for it in fact in one of the later scenes in the courtroom where an old woman throws a tomato at the back oh, yeah room, Alfred's head. That's that directly from the transit. Oh, wow, that makes Fantastic. Sense. It's very um, funny.
1: But, but that's another anyway. thing. I'm sorry. That's another thing um, that works up with the like the the idea of it. It's not only so no, not only is it a low budget movie and a musical, it's also based really kind of yes. accurately Pretty for closely, a lot of it yeah. on a true story. I mean, like what more could you what more could you take on? You know, with such a low budget and being in college, you know, more. Well, and I mean, want.
0: seriously. And Trey Parker, when he's playing Alfred, he's in and he's in jail. He's being interviewed, sort of conned by a reporter, a woman who's trying to get the story yeah. and ultimately falls in love with him. It's such a musical trope. I love that he kind of worked mm-hmm. that in. It's also but, like
1: straight talk to Dolly Parker. Yes, movie. totally, <laughs>
0: totally. Any chance um, I get
1: to drop a Dolly mention, I'm
0: going to do. It. I I <laughs> I uh, I saw somebody posted a thing. They were in Nashville, and somebody had a. Um, Dolly Parton and Always Farting bumper <laughs> sticker, and I was like, "What in the world?" Anyway, that's, that's the other
1: thing. i heard there. that I, I, I hadn't
0: seen it. I hadn't seen it's it. It's amazing. Today. Um, but but there are other touches that the real too that are just just interesting choices. Like um, when Alfred is in jail, he's building dollhouses, and he's building a dollhouse all the whole time, and that is true when he was in jail to pass the time he built dollhouse it's just wild right i also love the idea that it means that there might actually be a dollhouse built by a cannibal somewhere still (laughs) existing in the united states um i want to say too so this is the idea of this is hard to envision if you haven't just watched it i feel like um or, or ever watched it but it reminded me of if you're looking at a contemporary work the the oddball TV series Miracle Workers with Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi. Um, it's 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 based sort of like an Oregon trail. Like it's it's fantastical. Two angels are sent down to sort of um try and get try and get material to convince God not to destroy the world. And um it's sort of a basically they took, you know, Neil Gaiman's um and Terry Pratchett's what uh, what is the name of that book? They did a series on it. I'm totally liquid brain today but they took that idea of uh becoming apocalypse no american uh, that,
1: gods american gods
0: oh, not american no. gods either oh
1: you guys good are omens. good
0: omens good, good omens. omens thank good you omens. it is That's good right. omens
1: right the angel and the angel
0: yes exactly right, the an angel and a demon are trying to save the world anyway similar concept miracle workers we have track but it's that same vibe it's a it's an off offbeat comedy in the sort of uh early days of the america of the wet of the, of the european colonization of the west of north america so it's it's just a it's a very niche niche product and niche concept um it's interesting because as you mentioned manny it does have this sort of like sweet light-hearted vibe but it also they have moments of extreme gore in a very low budget sort of redneck zombies way which is great i mean it opens with this scene of uh, a wild alfred mm. um Uh, ripping off limbs with his teeth of his companions and beating them to their severed arms like it's very goofy uh, but also gruesome and then you find out that's the uh, prosecutor's version of events and then as you go on then you get little moments where it's gruesome but also often very realistic like they have really great like when a couple of times when the character is shot they have squibs there, it's not over the top violent like it's it's very then you have moments like so it's realistic but then you have moments where then they carry the carcass around and it's a paper mache head it's like painted with tempera paint one color like it's just goofball amazing um, so and i also want to say anybody who's ever watched frozen will not be able to detached this film from that film in their mind because there are recurring song instances of do you want to build a snowman <laughs> song but it is hilarious um, they did it first they yeah they did it first that's right and it, it's super loved it so
2: much um i the dude I, tap I, dancing in in the snow <laughs> oh my god <laughs> tap dancing in the snow. just a little there's such it's like South Amazing. Park, there's
0: so many slow burn moments, even when it's not a smart joke, and some of them are smart mm-hmm. jokes, but it's a slow burn. Well, I, didn't, I didn't even realize the joke until the next scene had already rolled around, you know, like like the tap dancing. Like, it's just, it's just, if you watch it at face value, you're entertained. If you watch it with that weird critical eye to catch all the funky moments and weird shit going on, it's totally balls to the wall um, worth it. And it's just clear to me that this is a labor of love. And um, it's interesting because I was wondering, there's two reasons which, which made me think of to why this movie hasn't been re-released yet. Um, because it, it could be stunning in a beautiful restoration, it transfer, et cetera. And also there were several um, deleted songs that were recorded for this. Um, there's, there's even a, uh, a rap song uh, in this uh, that is not here which i can't imagine but uh one trauma has it trauma um they've done a lot of great things they've done a lot of things that the filmmakers uh, will cry and wince and, and tear at i don't know who knows what the licensure is on that two and this gets to your point manny where it i do feel the south park humor but it is a different beast um, it is a, in many ways, softer beast. It's a labor of love game to telling this particular story uh, from a particular um, piece of Colorado history. And I wonder if that's why it's actually been left to a smaller audience. Because as, as we mentioned, Trey Parker did go on to direct other films. Uh, I mean, he made Orgasmo and he made Basketball and both of those, um, interestingly enough, originally got an NC-17 rating. This is the only film that he's directed that did not uh, get an NC-17 rating. And, uh, but it, it makes me, not that those are heavily pushed either, but they're more attainable, I feel, and more, uh, you know, they had a wider release uh, as well because they'd already started a career path going. Um, so I don't know, that could be that as well, but I, I really want, um, if not another organization or another distributor to pick it up and clean it up and et cetera, um, I want trauma at least to put out uh, a blu-ray or or four k edition. four k seems unlikely from trauma, which is fine. but a a, a blu-ray upgrade of the original film with the uh, the great features from their double disc because there is a sort of an infamous uh, commentary track from Trey Parker and Matt Stone, which um I'll let listeners Google that. That's a whole other rabbit hole to dive down, but it's very entertaining. Uh, and wild. And again, full of those myths and legends that they're kind of known for creating. Now, last bit of me spewing nonstop is the music. Mandy, you said it. I don't remember any of them particularly except for the Spadoinkel song at the beginning. Um, it didn't detract from me at all, though. They're actually fairly well crafted. And when you listen to the lyrics, that's where the humor is really punchy. In the songs, is you'll have every song kind of has this beautiful like reality, like it's it's the song for the moment. But then there's either it's how it's phrased or there's a lyric that is just bonkers joke about the moment. Um, I think I guess I do remember one, but when um when Trey Parker as Alfred is singing about the love he has for uh, Leanne, his horse who who ends up going with this other group and breaks his heart uh he he it's basically this love song but then the way he phrases it it sounds like he's talking about uh doggy style sex with a woman for the whole thing like you know every time you turn around you'll see me behind you i love it when i'm on top of you or various sexual positions like it's just it's very that's very south park to me and the fact that the wordplay is the humor there also, Trey Parker is the perfect leading man for his movies because he has this, like, innocent dopiness. He has these, like, super crystal blue eyes. And he just, he looks innocent, which we know he is not innocent. I <laughs> mean, he's made some of the filthiest stuff to ever cross basic cable television. Um, and and wonderfully so. But it's perfect for it. Let's talk about the Native American tribe. Now, in in the actual story um, of, of this person the cannibal he does they do run into a native american tribe it is not this native american tribe uh the story goes is that this native american this cast who plays the native americans they're all japanese which is hilarious and they speak in japanese for the most part uh the story is is that that morning i i do dicker about the timing but the question is is that or the, the story is that morning trey parker and the group met a group of japanese students uh going to the college and he got them to be in the movie and this is where it was i don't think it happened that quick i could be wrong but that would be a hell of a lot of work to put people in that in one day don't believe it. but i do believe that they're japanese exchange students because they speak japanese fluently and um they they are the uh nihonjin tribe which of course is japanese for japanese people uh and it is it's hilarious i find it hilarious and i loved they have this like bit where part of alfred's party is like skeptical that these are native americans um it, it's hammered really hard but eventually she's like okay and i love <laughs> i love the chief who's the only one that speaks to them in english like i love him convincing them like a bad used car salesman that they are native americans like it's clearly not even the case to him it's just he's like we, we have teepees. look at all the tps like, yes i get that but he's like, no, no, no. We're natives. We ha- we're Indians. We have teepees. Look at this. Look at the teepees. It's just hilarious. And they hammer it. They hammer it into us. And I found it very funny. Um, it's hilarious that in this way that could be very offensive, and perhaps it is to some people. I I have no um, uh, I have no insights into that. But I love that in a way it skirted a lot of the problems that it would have had had they just used their extras or their large ensemble cast who were primarily white, if not exclusively white, because although they're not Native American, they're also not Caucasian people. Um, I thought that that was kind of a weirdly brilliant uh, thing because it, it, it's, it skirts the cancel culture moment with that element uh, in a very strange way. And the fact that they actively address it in the film itself, saves it even further. So I love that moment.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's almost um, ahead of its time in the sense that, you know, we have a lot more discussions nowadays about how things are cast or inappropriately or, mm-hmm. or not, depending on the ethnicities and such. Mm-hmm. It's almost, they're almost poking fun at how through the year, it almost feels like how through the years, yes. folks like American Indians or Native Americans or all kinds of people have been, other people have been cast in those parts that are not that, even remotely. Right. And trying to, to sell it off so it's, it's almost like a weird but they topical. had teepees
2: so yeah. clearly <laughs> it was fine yes So yes i almost i almost felt like so i don't know if either of you have seen a uh, maverick with and so how in that they have like the native american tribe is kind of like pretending to be native americans like in those sense that like um like colonial like or, or it's for um, the exploitation you know like yeah. the exploitation yeah. of their own culture they're doing it mm. in that film they're like ah, oh, we'd like do the thing and we beat the war drums yeah. because this guy pays us a lot of money like he's mm. just this dumb russian mm. i think is what it was um like this kind of almost felt like that there were like a group of people like trying to pull the wool over a group of white people's eyes and like say we're out here being indians so it's all good like we can just live here like it's cool like we have some teepees. like like are you gonna say some shit about us not being indians (laughs) exactly exactly yes are you gonna start this like um it kind of had that same sort of feel like it was like um the group of people was doing like this performative thing to like make fun of of white people I love
0: that um, parallel you know, because like, I think you're right. You know, it's, it's clearly, it's clearly very conscious of itself. And the idea to work that into this, that is a very South Park moment, especially mm-hmm. more, you know, very contemporary South Park moment where you're like, let's, let's add multiple levels to this insanity and show you're like, I don't even know. Uh, It's like that scene in Deadpool where that very brief scene where he's beating, like he's fighting to, um, women and he's like I don't know what I'm supposed to do here is this like do it do I not hate you? do I hate you I'm so confused what what is the right course of action uh, you know it's just the cultural sensitivity it's like when it's so absurd you're like I don't even know what to feel at this moment should I be mad should I be like applauding I just I can't I can't I just have to step away and that's the br- that's something that Trey Parker and Matt Stone do incredibly well is touching that nerve button and be like nobody can tell me one thing or the other because it's it's just wild um, I also love the ridiculous slapstick moment that they keep pushing harder and harder when uh, Alfred kills Bell after Bell in his story after Bell has killed everyone else. He he has to kill him like five times, uh, and it gets more and more ridiculous. You know he gets that he is a, a meat cleaver to the face, yes. and then he's shot in the head, and then he's jabbed in the other eye with a stick, and then it's a pickaxe. You know it's the most it's it's gratuitous to the fact until it's you're like this can't happen again and then it happens again and it's that whole thing where it stops being funny and then i found it hilarious like they just pushed it that one extra step to um to insanity uh, i just i really enjoy this movie um i want to say too there's lots of lots of inside things with this movie as i said the aliens in the background the uh, sign language there's also um the fact that trey parker named the horse leanne which was supposedly the name of his ex-fiance that he found out i was having an affair and uh and of course leanne is in the film is the horse that will let anyone ride it um and you know and i love to and now of course he's he's worth much more than this, but there was an interview and and he was talking about, and he's like, Leanne didn't leave with the trappers. Uh, she left for an acapella singer. And and uh, and then the manager of Foley's, which was, I guess, a bar or a restaurant. And he goes, uh, I'm worth $7 million. She's dating the manager of Foley's, which is just, it's just this hilarious dig. Um, and I mean, who wouldn't want to just be able to rub it in someone from your past face? Just like, ha ha uh look at this i am incredibly wealthy doing something that no one thought uh, i would possibly be doing in the world
1: did, um, and did, that's did, what, I read, did i read this correctly
0: that she actually worked
1: on the film is this
0: true? she did okay she did she she um i don't i don't know which scene it was it might have been the ballet moment um i'm not sure but she actually he asked her to come choreograph uh the scene and she did uh and he uh, I think it was actually in the commentary at some point he said um he's like I don't know why I did it I think to to have her come on and see that, look I'm really doing this um and you know that's uh she, that's that's bold that's bold but I do love the idea of of having this weird this heartbreak and all this frustration and channeling it into this creative endeavor um, and also remaining sort of positive throughout the, because a lot of times what happens is this happened all the time uh in my undergrad and in my uh, you know throughout education in creative writing which is what my background is, is like people would have some big event in their life and it'd be tragic or frustrating anger or whatever a breakup or whatever and they would channel into their writing and you would end up with a really spiteful mean spirited piece of work that just it, it just it just doesn't ring true it rings like somebody's personal pain it's very myopic and not very good um and I, we get that in film too especially uh when there's like an aging director um i love Stan, stanley kubrick and i think he was good until the end but his films got progressively more and more um negative and just sort of pessimistic spielberg's also shown trends that way um i think we all could feel it sometimes but when you when you go down that rabbit hole it tends to diminish i feel like the film that you're working on because not everything even in the worst of circumstances is terrible you know people in prison still have moments of positivity it's it's it seems to be human nature but in this he channeled it in a way that's again it's a fun cocktail fact but it really it didn't without knowing that the film was still super fun uh and i didn't feel that the sort of vulgarity of, of negativity or spitefulness come through. And I, I love that. It's almost
1: that. the opposite of that. It, 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 it's yeah. Sort of, just like I said, it has this happy, sort of sweet, charming, you know, quality about it. So Yeah, it's, it's, this, off, it's this, the opposite exactly.
0: And people, I will say, um, you know, people thinking Cannibal the Musical, um, you know, who are coming from other cannibal films, of which there is quite a broad <laughs> genre, you know, especially in the 70s, cannibal... Um, uh, Holocaust, Mondo Cannibal, um, uh, whatever you call it, Cannibal Ferox—all of these films um, have cannibalism as like this ooh gruesome thing. Um, there was, you know, the 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 homage film to it that um, uh, Ellie Roth did, um, it's a *Green Inferno*, um, which was quite excellent actually, as far as that goes. Very much in vain of that. They're often mean-spirited disturbing violent aggressive films in fact they're probably the most famous uh 70s italian films for animal cruelty on film which is always a for me quite unpleasant um but they they had this you know people went to go and see cannibal films because there was something so puerile and, and uncomfortable and innately disturbing about eating people this just if you're coming in with that mindset you're going to be totally sideswiped it is just not that kind of film. Yes, there is eating people. Um it's not even to the to the extent of uh, alive uh, based on the you know uh, soccer players who playing crashing at each other, or um, if anybody has watched Showtimes Yellow Jackets, which is in my opinion the best television show to have come out in a long time, uh, the idea of cannibalism it's this is just its own beast. it's just it's more like, sort of a goofball comedy with some some dark content that isn't presented even in a dark way I mean when your lead character is so relentlessly positive um and sort of innocent and just I mean he doesn't even seem to recognize what sex is uh you know but not in a way like derp derp it's just like huh what, what are you talking about I don't I don't get it like what you know just this everything is innocent about him It's impossible to make the film seem dark because we're seeing it from his perspective. And I loved that touch. And it made it feel, in a weird way, it made it one of the rare biopics that doesn't seem to cast, I mean, it casts a positive light on him, I suppose. But so often with biopics, they're either one of two things. They're Hoffa, where they're portrayed as like a hero and they're certainly not necessarily a hero. Um, Or they are utterly damning um and in which case you know um you know it's mommy dearest right you just there's there's no middle ground this one they sort of get around that because you're seeing it through his perspective right and you just don't have the the problematic nature of biopics in general it just feels like a movie and then you realize that it actually is based on real events (laughs) fairly closely um so let's move on to the recommendation portion of this. Mandy, I think I know the answer, but would you recommend 1993's Cannibal the Musical and if so why and to who?
2: Yes, I would recommend this to people who like to have fun. So, if you don't like to have fun, then you know, don't don't watch this film. <laughs> Just go <laughs> be miserable a, somewhere a, else <laughs> far far away.
0: <laughs> All right, that is a that is a strong recommendation in the positive way indeed. Manny, would you recommend Cannibal the Musical, if so, why? Do you? Yes, yes, I totally would. Um, and here's the other thing I wasn't going to
1: mention. And one of the things that I like about it from, from being a musical theater performer is also this is done like as a musical. It's not mocking musicals. That's the other thing. This is, mm-hmm. this is a movie that's actually by people who love, whether they admit it or not, they love musicals. Because, you know, the whole dream sequence, it's basically a lot of Oklahoma, the whole rustic musical idea.
0: And it's very inspired by Oklahoma. Yeah,
1: like they have the, the, the dream sequence, the dream ballet, full-on ballet. like A was- oh,
0: ballet, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they have the end of the, the, num- the last number is a sort of seven brides for seven brothers kind of, you know, Oklahoma type of thing. And it comes out, this can only be done by people who know the genre well enough. Um, they're not just mocking it, they're actually sort of celebrating it. And uh, again, that with a, impressively taking that on with the, the budget that they had and you know, the ex- experience that they lacked. Um,
0: yeah. And shockingly, we, we haven't we haven't mentioned this, but if anybody thinks that the idea of um, the creators of South Park making a musical sounds insane, as you said, South the first so far the only theater South Park film, South Park: Bigger, Longer, Uncut, is a musical. And let's let us not forget. These are also the people who brought us the Book of Mormon. Oh, that's right. Um, which, of which is of truly, it is it is brilliant. I mean, it is it is caustic and disturbing and upsetting and sweet and brilliant and kind, and I loved it. And I, I remember seeing it. If you, ever, if you haven't seen it or even if you've just heard it, please go see it. And here's my recommendation. Please go see it on a Sunday matinee because that's when the elderly people who have season passes on discount go. <laughs> and you've never heard such um upset horrified intermission talk uh it's brilliant there there's 50 percent of them love it and 50 percent just think the world is going in the toilet and um it's just you know the liberal elite are poisoning the children it's it's i I can't
1: even believe i forgot to mention that i mean that you know i mean that's because i think it's a huge thing i mean that shows it's more proof of their their incredible talents as Yes, exactly, uh,
0: and I mean composers, really. I, I, I really, I think they're truly. I think Trey Parker and Matt Stone are geniuses. Agree, and they're right. Like I just not there aren't people who could do this the way they've done it and create such an empire, and also stay behind the scenes. I don't know how you can star and direct your own movies and still be somewhat opaque to not even just regular people, but your fans. Like you just you stay back. Um, and that doesn't mean you don't give interviews. It doesn't mean you don't talk to people. But somehow your mystique is still separate from your actual life, and I, I think that's amazing. And only yeah. really smart people can do that. And they took so much money to develop uh, and buy deepfake studio software and and a team to to do insane things with deepfake, uh, especially with Donald Trump, which is wild. Go Google their stuff. It is crazy.
1: But they, and yes. they let the work speak for the, for itself is really the, the exact. Fundamental... That's true.
0: Um, And they're not afraid to attack everyone Mm -hmm. when they're wrong or when they're trying to prompt you, me, as the, you know, pretty stereotypical hipster, liberal, elite, uh, (laughs) middle class white guy. Like, you, they're not afraid to make me uncomfortable sometimes and it makes me question things and then I look back and I'm like, okay, I see where, (laughs) I see where my mind perhaps was a little bit skewed. Uh, And that's, that's the kind of thing that we need. And that's, that's also the reason why, as frustrating as it is for comedians today, that's why people look right now, especially during the most turbulent times, uh, after, after years of blind peace, in a way, um, look to the comedians to find the the moral center is because of that. Um, they are the ones that satire us and make fun of us and point out the things that should be completely obvious to us, but because of our own narrow scope, aren't until we view it from a wider lens. So thank them for that. Uh, I of course recommend this as well. I loved it. I am going to recommend it to everyone. I will give the caveat. if you were not someone, there are some people who absolutely despise quote unquote, indie films. Um, there are many reasons for that. There are many indie films that deserve that sort of response. Uh, but This is clearly an indie film. Uh, As Manny said earlier, the film alone, the quality of um, the actual video quality and some of the audio, uh, it makes it very clear that this was a super low budget film. That said, it is well made and well produced, but it is not Repo the Genetic Opera. It is not on a soundstage with, um, you know, uh, many people working all these different parts. It is very clearly uh, a couple of people Doing just about everything. Uh, it be, despite that, it's incredible. I think it's watchable. It could air on Comedy Central or something like that. Um, uh, I'm curious to see if it actually has at one point, but and be fine. It's not that low budget or that poorly made. They know Trey Barker and the crew knew what they were doing. But if you have to have crystal, pristine, shiny pictures, perfect audio, all those things, um, you won't get it here. So if that's a big no for you, then you know, skip it. I would say give them their give them your money anyway, and see try um try it. But that is the only copy that I have here. Otherwise, it's brilliant. I love it. Rounds out about an hour and thirty six minutes, so it doesn't overstay. It's welcome, and uh, it's a history lesson too. So, uh, you know, try try and get some credit for that high schoolers. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I am always happy to come to the audience here and I'm excited for 2023. I know we're not there yet, but there's lots in the pipeline. I uh, hope we'll see you guys at the conventions next year. There's all sorts of neat things coming out. Mandy Longley, thank you for being here. Manny, Canary, thank you. I uh super happy. I welcome back anytime. Thank and you listeners, so much. of course. And listeners, please rate us all the stars you can wherever you get your podcast. Write a review. It's how people find us. Tell your friends. That's actually the most uh, uh recommendation we get is you telling your friends, listen, there's this idiot who talks for like 15 minutes at a time about random things that, about movies and, and you know sometimes he calls himself Canadian and he's not. So please do that. I am super uh, grateful to have this job and to play us out as always is the chud. Send us your email at podcast at gmail.com and catch us next week for a brand new episode of Colton Classic Podcast <laughs>